Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of On to Waveland, the Athletic Chicago Cubs podcast. Filling in for one more day as the host, I am Michael Beller, joined by Patrick Mooney. Patrick, how you doing today? I'm good, Michael. How you been? Also good. We got a fun show coming ahead with Ryan Dempster joining us, of course. Demp, well-known to Cubs fans for everything he did on the field for the team, everything he did on the field for a number of teams across Major League Baseball going to be seeing quite a bit of him as well this season. Uh, once the season does get up and running on the marquee network, you can see him on MLB Network 2. Dempster, always a character and a guy who very well informed about the game, uh, both from his time, from what he's done as a broadcaster, from what he has done just around the game. A fun guy to talk to. And uh, it was fun to catch up with him, Patrick. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's someone who really kind of gets the whole Wrigley experience as you know, someone who's kind of a, a part of the neighborhood by by this point and uh, between his relationships with Jed and Theo in the front office uh, the fact that he played with David Ross and remains close with him to this day um, you know I think his last year as the Cub was Anthony Rizzo's first season as a Cub so he, he's definitely um has a ton of connections you see it on off the mound the way he's able to bring in a ton of uh big time guests and kind of talk to them uh just on, on a different level and I, and I thought it was really interesting you know his thoughts on this upcoming season and how uh David Ross is gonna you know try and navigate it um just by kind of being himself yeah, that was. Uh, I thought that was the most interesting part of the discussion. It's a good discussion that you had with him. You were able to catch up with him uh, a little bit earlier talking about all the things going around in the game today and what this 2020 season is going to look like both uh, league-wide and with the Cubs. So let's get to that discussion. Patrick Mooney with Ryan Dempster. Ryan, thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, how, how are you holding up during these difficult times and keeping busy and trying to stay sane, I hope? Yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. You know, um, <laughs> I think uh, I think it's been an incredibly uh, weird time in history. I don't even know if "weird"s the right weird word. Um, trying many different ways for many different people on many different levels, and so just trying to stay, uh, get, give some mental health my attention as well, and taking time for for myself and our, my family and. But uh, looking forward to, to baseball, hopefully getting played here again real soon. Do you have a sense of what your schedule is going to look like this season, whether it's in the booth or the studio between Marquee and MLB Network? There's obviously a lot of logistical challenges. It sounds like they're going to be kind of inside stadiums, but do you have a feel for what you're going to be doing? Um, no, I'm going to continue to do off the mound, which will be nice. Um, I've been having fun doing that and uh, having a good time catching up with some guests. And then – uh, yeah, just trying to figure all that out, right? I work for MLB Network and have for a long time, so I have to try and navigate that as well as uh, the new network with Marquee and just going to be available when I can and um, uh, do do whatever I can to help. I, I really mean that. So hopefully uh, that means I get to do quite a bit while I'm here in Chicago. When you look at the, the landscape now, um, you know, during the course of your career, you pitched through you know, um, your daughter had a health situation, the 2013 Red Sox team, you know, rose to the occasion after the Boston Marathon bombings. And there are some you know, elements of this here, but this is now talking about all players on a much different scale in terms of kind of the, the personal 
the sense of community, um, some of the uh, health risks. As what sort of feelings do you have when you kind of look across Major League Baseball and the idea of staging a season at this time? Um, first of all, I, um, you know, hats off, and I commend the the players and the teams and you know the owners to finally like working something out just for the pure fact that they're trying to give people something to be happy about in a time that has been really hard to be happy about a lot of things. And I, I think first and foremost, that's amazing um, because this is, it's a super scary thing that everybody's going through and a lot of unknowns and it's okay. If guys don't want to play, that's their choice. Um, and the guys that do, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's awesome that they're out there doing it. I, 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 I've thought about it, what I would do as a player and having to, you know, kind of navigate through that. And, you know, some people are making some big sacrifices and um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough, tough world. I, I, uh, I don't envy their position for a second. Yeah. I was just kind of following up on that. What was your reaction to seeing players opting out? I really didn't have a gut feeling because you're talking about a, a large group of people with all of their own individual unique circumstances and, I'm kind of curious to see if maybe more players elect to do that. Yeah. And I don't think anybody should give them a hard time about that. Like, you know, I have neighbors who don't want to, they still don't like go out and leave their house. And I have friends who stay at home and I got people that have family with health conditions and pre-existing conditions and things like that. And people's that you're talking about people's lives. And so if they make that choice for their family, for whatever the reason is, um, mm-hmm. it maybe doesn't directly have to do with, I'm going to get like COVID one nine. It's maybe that, um, this is a really stressful time for my family because of everything, because of the pandemic and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And I just, I think that that's an okay choice for anybody to make anytime if they need a personal time to get away. So mm-hmm. why during a pandemic should it be anybody's business it should just be like, okay, on to the next one. And there's an opportunity for somebody else. David Ross spoke with us uh, this week o- over Zoom, and um, he had talked about um, just the idea of joking around with Jen Thiel. Like, this never really came up uh, during the interview process. There were no questions about this. Uh, how <laughs> how do you think he's going to get um, some of these messages across uh, to, to a group of players who are obviously going to have a lot on, on their minds that have nothing to do with baseball? Like he always has. Just be him. Just yeah. be himself. Doesn't have to do anymore. Um, he's one of the best communicators I've ever been around. Uh, a great teammate, a great leader. So um, I think it'll just come naturally and organically. It'll happen because of the type of human he is, and uh, have these guys very ready to go. Probably the last time I talked to you at length was at David Ross's press conference, and you said how you know how he's kind of you know, fit for the job. Uh, I was curious if you had noticed um, how he's maybe grown into the job since then and how he's equipped for this moment. Because until the shutdown, I feel like Ross's presence was one of the biggest storylines in Mesa. Yeah, well, for just for me personally, I can't speak for anybody else, but like, okay, so 2013 when we won the World Series, right? He's catching the last out of the World Series, uh, Koji pitching, and he's – helping being a leader behind home plate. Him and Salty did an unbelievable job, but people forget that David was in his basement with concussion-like symptoms for, you know, six weeks. And 
you know, talk about like a, a tough thing to overcome. And then you got a city that's been bombed and uh, you got all of that. And then you come back to your team and you help be one of the biggest leaders on the team. It just shows me that no matter what situation, especially when it comes to baseball, I think David can handle any situation in life. But when it comes to baseball, um, he can handle any situation as good as anybody. And and he said it to me. He's like, you know, I got really great coaches and guys who really care and really have helped me through this time. And and I think just as good as being a good manager is probably ha- the coaches that you have around you, those people. And David's got a great set of coaches around him. Whether it's that Boston team or some of the uh, other playoff teams you're on, they had lots of veterans with kind of a sense of mission uh, and purpose. If you were in the Wrigley Clubhouse now, how, how do you think the group is going to reinforce kind of those messages of accountability? Because ultimately um, part of this season will come down to, you know, behavior and adapting to these kind of extraordinary circumstances. I think that uh, that all of a sudden, like your livelihood got taken away. Mm-hmm because of a pandemic, your job, what you love to do, uh, which then doesn't make it a job because you love doing it. It's, it's not a job, but it's like your li- That's why it's your livelihood. You live for it. And you see how easily that can be taken away. And I don't know, maybe sometimes that might just be like the kick in the tail that anyone needs or everyone needs or whatever it is to like, I'm not going to take anything for granted ever. I, you know, I'm not going to take an at-bat for granted. I'm not going to take a, a pitch off. Um, I'm going to play every every out at second base, every every inning at second base like Dustin Pedroia. I never saw the guy take a pitch off ever. 3-0 with the bases loaded and the pitcher up, and he is full-on engaged on that ball like it's, you know, the four-hole hitter up in the biggest situation ever. And then that's where sometimes I think we all do. And now all of a sudden you get that taken away. I think maybe for those guys in there, they were their world champions. They've been to the height of the height. And now something like this happens and it just makes you hungrier and you want to go out there and you want to do great things on the field. Not that you didn't want to before, but that um, it just puts things into perspective and, and kind of opens your eyes on that a little bit. Because you were always someone who had a really uh, kind of a, you know detailed approach to your routine. You had a uh, you know real sense of preparation i guess how difficult do you think this is going to be uh, particularly for pitchers just ramping up uh after you know months off and then having this kind of two-month sprint yeah yeah i think it's just gonna be (laughs) extremely i i I totally understand the pitcher side too but just everybody the entire process all of it the mental toughness that it's going to take to go through all of that because think about the anxiety that you're going to get and so like to go through and get your temperature checked and go through and get your testing and the different rules and regulations that are in place, the comfort zone that you were in as a player for your entire career is now taken away or your short career, whatever that is. Then you have to do all of that, Patrick, for one game. And then you have to do it the next day for the next game. And it's just, yeah, it's, it'll be an experience that a lot of guys, obviously nobody has ever been through before. And, probably really eye-opening and it's going to take uh it's going to take everybody trusting each other relying on each other 30 teams across the league fans players everybody to make it happen and make it be successful jed hoyer was asked on that same zoom call about 
the trade deadline, people are already counting down to it. And obviously the trade deadline, Texas. I'm already counting down to the playoffs. Like think about it. if this was the regular <laughs> season, we had 60 games left. They'd already be talking about who's getting where for the playoffs and who's going to pick up a starting pitcher and who needs a new shortstop and a three hole hitter. I'm talking playoffs right away. Game number one. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just wondering, like, you know, how difficult it would be. I think for a front office, like of, you know, trading a guy, I, I thought of it just because seeing that, you know, Chris Bryant was on off the mound of like, do you, what are the kind of like ethical concerns or like just kind of the family considerations of trading someone you have like, um, you know, no data on like any of these prospects. They've been just like kind of hanging out for months. No one's seen them play. And then obviously just the, the money factor of this, you know, multi-billion dollar industry has just been shut down. I mean, from a player's perspective, a front office perspective, how do you think August 31st is going to go? Hopefully they're still you know playing at that point. Yeah, that's exactly right. I hope they're, I hope the games are still being played. Um, and that, that'll be a really good thing. And, handling all of that you're right there's a lot of there's a lot of different avenues you have to you have to be exactly like you're talking about you have to try and think about every single possibility and you know i i really believe that uh and it's tough to do sometimes if you're running a team and you're playing for a team but just transparency and conversation and dialogue because you like you said yes they're baseball players and at times athletes are commodities and in a big business industry it totally happens but at the same time there are tons of cases and and most of the time um they're family and they're treated that way and so if you have those conversations somebody's like listen i i get traded i'm not going anywhere i'm not comfortable with that i don't want to go play somewhere else then that might be i don't i don't know i don't know that's a good question i don't know if that's a a route that just open dialogue just helps and communication helps and uh, hopefully you're you're not trading away those big guys. You're keeping those big guys and you're winning a world series. I mean, you worked at Wrigley field for a long time in a few different capacities. You know, the neighborhood. I was just curious what your experience has been like um, these last few months. I don't know, walking around the neighborhood and how maybe weird it would be to picture Wrigley field without uh, any fans or at least no big crowds for the foreseeable future. I think that they should, um, like how they're talking about, you know, over in Korea, they were putting the uh, the, the cutouts in. Mm-hmm. You should get a cutout made if you live in Wrigleyville and just put it in your front yard with like a bag game <laughs> and just make the illusion of just thousands of people out there pregame. I think that that'd be work. fun. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it, it'll be, it'll be, it already is different. It already is um, strange and, um, but strange or different or out of the norm aren't also always just the worst thing. There's a way to try and see the positive. I don't, I don't know. I just have this dream that all of a sudden you're just going to see this like purity of the game come back. And, uh, you know, it's, you're going to see games that are two and a half hours or maybe even a little less. And then, uh, when the fans come back, it'll just create this even more of an excitement, you know? Um, and and more energy that when they do get the opportunity to give people at home watching it, just falling back in love with the the game and the people that already do continue to love it and love it more. And I don't know. Sometimes I'm an, an eternal optimist, Patrick. 
<laughs> you, you are, you are. I, I have to give you credit for that. Um, and just a, a final thing. I mean, I guess, you know, when, you know, things kind of get back to something approaching normal, I guess, what do you envision for uh, off the mound? I mean, you got Mike Trout, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Ken Griffey Jr. I mean, you could probably get some bigger name guests maybe, but what long range, uh, what do you hope uh, the show will look like and feel like? Yeah, um, I would ultimately love to get it back to being doing the live shows again. How many? I don't know. Um, but I love that element. I love the music and the entertainment of it all and the, the fun of it all and um, giving that to, to people in a on a TV is, is powerful for sure, but in person, it's, it's such a good time and we enjoy doing it so much that hopefully we'll do some of those. And, um, I also have been enjoying doing this. It's, you know, it's kind of might be, end up being a little bit of our, our more normal way. Uh, we don't know the answer to that. So while we're doing it this way, I'm just going to continue to do that. I'll do it while the season's going on and through the season. And, um, like you said, hopefully I can get some bit bigger guests and some guys that have done something in the game. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I also I also have a, a list of people that I really want to have on and uh, and just talk baseball and life. And it's been a ton of fun. Like who knew Ken Griffey Jr. drew drove from uh, you know London to Tokyo in the car. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I always knew he liked fast stuff. He always had a he had that little motorcycle before. He's part of the scooter club in Cincinnati. Yeah. Barry Larkin, Aaron Boone. We all had scooters. Adam Dunn. Well, I mean, you're definitely able to talk to those guys at a, at a really unique level. And you can tell that guys are just naturally kind of more relaxed around you. And you have a really like cool way of, of going about it, whether it's that or what was it like the newlywed game with Jed and Theo? I think that was another like all time classic that we're referencing for a long, a long time from now, whenever, whenever they leave Chicago, that'll be like in like the first line of like Sully's story in the Tribune or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It, it, the relationships I, I was telling somebody the other day, I said, I'm really lucky that I had parents who um, were really good about, developing relationships and being nice to people. They're just, I always hear it all the time and it's, uh, you know, Oh, your dad is such a great guy. Your mom's so nice. And, you know, while I haven't always lived by that motto, just like I'm sure they've had their tough times, uh, as you grow and you mature. Um, I try to genuinely be that way. It's from the heart. It's just who I am. And so then, uh, you know, those bonds that I create with teammates and ex teammates and, um, it lasts a long time and it's been, it's been enriching in my life for sure to know that I have these pals around there. And then they just happen to do unbelievable things on a baseball field that we can share with fans and talk about how they're terrible at karaoke like me, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like bringing that aspect to the fans, you know, um, sports are covered a lot of times, uh, for the right reasons, totally. But just in a different perspective, it's about their job on the field and what they're doing. And uh, I just want to show the a little bit of the other side, too, while understanding how hard that job on the field can be at times. Thank you for your time, Ryan. Hopefully uh, we can see you again at, at some point. I don't know. Uh, I look forward to shaking your hand. Uh, I know that. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. in like 2027 or something like that. We'll 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 get around to that.
by that point, we'll have like some sort of like uh, glove that goes over our hands. It's the handshaking glove. It's instant clean. You barely even feel it. It's a, it's a second skin wraps right over top of it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, I'll, I'll be looking for you at Wrigley. I don't know if if uh, you'll be around or if we'll if you'll be in a broadcast booth somewhere. But I'm sure we'll we'll cross paths. I'm thinking about getting a hot air balloon. I figure that's probably. <laughs> You know, within city guidelines, I could probably have that. I could run some advertising on it as well and then just sit there and cover the game that way. There's got to be an online course, right? There's some sort of online course that I can take for that. Maybe you could take it to like a rooftop or something like that. I thought that would be kind of more your speed of just kind of doing it, doing something up at the rooftop, just posting up there for like an entire entire homestand. Inside the scoreboard? Yeah. That'd be fun. Okay, cool. There you go. Good to catch up with you. Yeah, I'm glad we got that figured out. Our thanks again to Ryan Dempster for joining us on On to Waveland today. Uh, Like you said before, uh, before we threw it to the interview, uh, loved what he had to say about David Ross uh, because of what you say. I mean, this is a guy who he's teammates with, so he has that uh, that picture into the sort of person David Ross is in the clubhouse and then just a guy who had you know countless teammates during his long MLB career could compare David Ross the teammate David Ross the catcher to so many other guys who he played with and now in his role Dempster's role that is outside the game but still being as tied to it as closely as he is has been able to observe you know David Ross the player after Dempster retired now David Ross the manager it's a unique take and it was uh, I think a strong one to get from him. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's no kind of uh, playbook for this. I mean, there's an operations manual, but a lot of this is going to be kind of listening to the experts, going off of feel and, uh, you know, using your kind of natural abilities. And, you know, David Ross, the Cubs believe, is uh, kind of a born leader. He knows um, – you know, just about every level of this organization. And I think something that uh, has really impressed Cubs officials kind of even even before this pandemic um, was his willingness to go to work and to kind of absorb information from the R&D department or kind of delegate to coaches and listen to his coaches and kind of draw some lines between him and these players, some of whom are, are really good friends and that, you know, he had, he said that, you know, he didn't want to bombard guys, uh, during this shutdown with small talk. It was as soon as he had information, he wanted to hop on a zoom and give them, you know, kind of actionable items that they could share with their, uh, family. So I think he's got kind of a sense of, of the boundaries. Um, he knows, um, kind of what he doesn't, no, and for someone who's never managed before, and given that this is an unprecedented situation, I, I think the Cubs still feel uh, pretty good about um, you know the new guy in the dugout. Yeah, with good reason too. And you and your brethren in the Chicago media were able to catch up with both David Ross and Jed Hoyer uh, on a Zoom call. It's so weird how we just say Zoom call so <laughs> comfortably. Now, uh, something that we hadn't even heard of, you know, maybe three, three and a half months ago. But now it's just something that's part of our everyday lexicon. You caught up with Jed Hoyer and David Ross, a wide-ranging discussion. You have a piece up about it on The Athletic right now, so definitely check that out. But the theme of it, the thing that was most talked about, uh, seemed like 
uh, COVID-19, understandably, and still how that is going to govern so much of what happens from this point forward. We have the 60-game season in place. We should get a look at a schedule sooner rather than later, but still right now, more a theory than anything else. Uh, what was some of the stuff that you took away from that conference with uh, with Jed and David Ross? I think Jed confirmed what we had kind of heard privately that you know to this point no Cubs player or coach has expressed a desire to opt out of this season. Uh, I do think a lot of how he was talking though was kind of like to this point right now uh, to our knowledge uh, you know kind of things like that. I think we're gonna have to just get used to some of those kind of conditional phrasings and that goes for um the COVID-19 testing that you know as of Monday afternoon uh no Cubs player had tested positive however the screening process that began Saturday uh, had not yielded test results to uh the Cubs yet uh most of the testing uh I believe was going to be done Wednesday, because uh, a lot of players are going to be traveling on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, two Cubs staffers uh, had tested positive before this and will not be available at the beginning of training camp. They were Tier 1 individuals. Uh, the Cubs are not you know, naming them, uh, setting privacy laws, but Tier 1 includes kind of all essential on-field personnel, including physicians, trainers, coaches, uh, you know, employees uh, of that nature. So uh, I think inevitably, though, uh, across the league, you're going to see positive tests. It's kind of the nature of this uh, unpredictable, hard-to-contain virus. And you're seeing, while Illinois entered phase four of the reopening obviously you see numbers spiking uh in in a lot of states that have strong you know baseball roots and we're talking you know florida texas arizona california georgia um so the cubs are you know going to try and create this bubble they're obviously going to listen to the experts and follow the protocols but um a a lot of this is going to be kind of subject to change yeah, and we see how quickly it can change uh, just by looking at your piece. You know, this went up on on the athletic site on Monday. You and I are sitting here recording this on Tuesday, and you mentioned in the piece that uh, Mike Leak of the Diamondbacks, Ryan Zimmerman, and Joe Ross of the Nationals uh, had already opted out of the 2020 season at that point. And now, 24 hours, probably not even 24 hours later, we have more players who have opted out, most notably Ian Desmond from the Rockies, wrote uh, a really impactful uh, statement as to why he was going to be sitting out the 2020 season. Uh, and, and that's just something we're going to see more and more of. This is not going to end with just these four guys. There are going to be more players opting out. And we are, what, about three and a half weeks or so from opening day, whether it ends up being July 23rd or 24th. But uh, you see there in the piece and in how quickly things have already moved since the agreement was arrived at, how quickly things are going to change and how much still could change between you and me sitting here on June 30th recording this and first pitch of the Cubs in the MLB season being thrown, whether it's July 23rd or 24th. Exactly. I mean, it's. I thought Ryan Dempster put it well. Uh, I don't understand why anyone would criticize uh, a player – for making that personal decision. 
Um, I can't say I've seen a ton of negative blowback on that, mm. although I wasn't really searching for it. But I'd <laughs> like to think that uh, you know, people have kind of evolved and kind of uh, seen the many dimensions to these athletes, that they're not just kind of uh, assets or, or gladiators, that they have uh, lots of really um, uniquely personal uh, circumstances going on right now. And, um, at the same time, I wouldn't put any kind of blanket statement. on. I think David Ross had stressed this idea that the Cubs are excited to get back and playing that, you know, if there's a trophy being handed out at the end of the year, uh, he wants it. And, uh, Jed Hoyer, while acknowledging some of the concerns, when you look at the landscape across the country, you know, he also, pointed out that you know these are their livelihoods and that they have you know great scientists you know working for them um they have experts putting all of their uh you know years of experience into these you know protocols and uh they're going to try as hard as they can to create a a kind of bubble and i think if they are able to somehow make it uh, to October, I agree with Ross. There'd be no asterisks because be the trophy would be won under just these unbelievable circumstances. I like that too. You're seeing that I think across the league that guys are really embracing what this season is going to be. And is a 60 game season a 162 game season? Of course not. No one needs to tell you that. But you are seeing guys say that if there's a trophy out there, like Ross said, I want it. And it's not just the Cubs. It is coming from all 30 teams across the majors. This is going to be legitimate enough of a season. 60 games, some sort of postseason tournament. This is legitimate enough of a season uh, that, is there going to be an asterisk next to it? In our minds, yes. In the rule book, I don't think so. Or in the record book, I mean, I don't think so. So it's nice to see that mentality coming uh, from across the league uh, that this is a season that is worth playing and that everyone's going to be happy to play and that no one is going to uh, hold against anyone who decides that it is not the season for them to participate in. And speaking of that, Ewan uh, Sahadev also wrote up another piece shortly after the Cubs announced who would be participating uh, for them this season, or at least 50 of the guys who would be participating for them this season on Sunday, uh, taking a look at the uh, the rosters that are split up between Wrigley Field and between South Bend as we get closer and closer to the late July start for this 2020 season. So like I said, 50 players so far, obviously they could get up to 60. So still some flexibility built into what the team can do over the next few weeks. What was your first impression of the team as assembled when you got those 50 names? You know, I kind of looked to make sure that the names, the biggest names were on there. Um, And obviously we just discussed there have been no opt-outs so far. Uh, Obviously they were a little light uh, in terms of the 60-player pool, but uh, I think they really wanted to, one, see kind of what they have. Uh, They're going to want to see who else uh, is out there. And I think just the nature of this season, they wanted some uh, flexibility. And so they saw the advantage of instead of uh, locking themselves into 60 now, um, they're going to kind of use this time to uh, evaluate the roster. So that means um, someone like Burl Caraway, who we talked to last week, could still be 
put on, even though he is you know, very inexperienced. Um, you know, if they get to a place where they feel comfortable dedicating a roster spot to him, he certainly could uh, wind up in South Bend. And then I guess kind of a last thought was it was um, kind of weird to see like an actual, you know, press release and uh, transactions and like baseball news again. And, you know, hopefully, you know, stuff like that um, can continue. Um, but it, it is kind of putting this like orderly um, kind of veneer to it's a very unpredictable situation. Yeah, you inside have pointed out in the piece that it's not just the 10 spots that are still open, that there's going to be some movement. Uh, Jason Kipnis still needs a spot on the 40-man roster. The Cubs could decide to add a third catcher. Also, in addition to Wilson Contreras and Victor Caratini, a move that I think ends up maybe becoming even more likely with the DH. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cubs sneak some more at-bats Caratini's way by using the DH in that way. And if you end up having Contreras behind the plate, Caratini DHing, or vice versa in a game, you'd probably want a third catcher on your roster uh, just in case uh, whatever happens during the game ends up necessitating the use of another catcher. You don't want to lose that DH spot. So there's still some moving parts there. And you mentioned Burl Caraway. Of course, we had him on the show last week. If you missed that, go ahead. Go back, check it out. There was a, a great interview with Burl Caraway. He's one of the guys who not yet on the roster. We do see some of the top prospects that we expect to be included. Uh, Miguel Amaya, Braylon Marquez, Brennan Davis. Uh, really assumed that all those guys would be there. So not a surprise to see those guys participating. Any chance that, we think you, that you think we see any of those guys end up making an actual impact for the actual 2020 Cubs? I would say that uh, Brennan Davis is strictly there for uh, development purposes and getting some exposure to the coaching staff and some major league caliber players. I mean, they think this guy's got just a huge ceiling. Um, wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about him uh, sooner rather than later, but not uh, 2020 soon. Uh, I'd say, Miguel Maya is on the 40-man roster, so if um, some really extreme uh, circumstances happen, uh, maybe. I thought it was telling that David Ross in spring training before it got shut down had said that like this guy could like you know back up in the majors right now, that he had enough skills to be like passable uh, at a major league level which you know you're always I guess one foul tip away or whatever they want to say if you're the catcher at Iowa and then Marquez is kind of the real and intriguing one while I wouldn't like bet on him making his big league debut this summer if he's healthy and they like what they see and there's a need for a lefty who can throw 100 miles an hour um I wouldn't put it past him I mean that was kind of the idea uh last summer that it wasn't outside the realm of possibilities that if he had a good year and um, things broke a, a certain way that you've kind of seen organizations figure, you know, some of these young pitching prospects, if they only have so many kind of bullets that you might as well kind of use them um, in the majors. And so I think that there's you know, a very small outside possibility that he could make his way uh, to Wrigley this year. 
you know, Juan Gomez was the one, I think, big surprise on this mm-hmm. roster. Someone who I, I don't think we necessarily thought was going to be, especially if they told you we're only going to give you 50 of the 60 names on Sunday. Uh, not sure that you would have bet on him being one of those 50. Maybe he could have been in the 60, but for him to be in that initial 50 uh, certainly says something about what the Cubs think he can be for them. Uh, what have you been able to learn about why he was included in that first 50 names? Yeah, that was a Sahadev special. I, that, my eyes kind of glazed over. I was like, wait, who's this guy? And Sahadev was already like digging into it. So props to him uh, using his uh, network of scouting contacts. But yeah, I mean, the Cubs have had um, success in finding these kind of diamonds in the rough and, you know, coaching them up and making maybe a suggestion here or kind of incorporating uh, the data a certain way there. And this is just basically, you know, a free look uh, for them. I mean, I think pitching depth, um, once you get past the kind of existential threat of COVID-19 to the season, I think pitcher injuries are going to be kind of a, a frontline uh, item. And so you might as well have a guy uh, with some interesting stuff and ground ball capabilities kind of, you know, waiting in South Bend in case you need him. Yeah, definitely. As we talked about on the last episode, uh, not only is pitcher depth going to be a necessity, but also perhaps something that teams are going to want to play with this season, see what uh, they can get away with this year, see how they can use those pitching resources differently in this 60-game sprint of a regular season, and yeah, maybe you come across something that also works in a 162-game season, and you find not only a player who can be part of your 2021 and your future beyond that, but a strategy, a tactic that ends up working for what your roster is going to look like in 2021 and beyond. So not surprising to see the Cubs use that flexibility and go after a guy like Gamez, and maybe we end up seeing him after what he can do. Uh, in South Bend, maybe he shows enough to ultimately make some sort of impact for the 2020 Cubs, and then we'll see where things go from there. That's going to do it for this episode of On to Waveland. Once again, thank you to Ryan Dempster for joining us on today's episode. And thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are out there on iTunes, Spotify, wherever, please rate, review, subscribe. We really do appreciate that. And if you're listening there, perhaps that means you do not yet have an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash onto Waveland and get yourself a free 30-day trial to The Athletic. For Patrick Mooney, I'm Michael Beller. On to Waveland. We'll be back with you later this week. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. 